guys here this morning, and if you're listening online, we're glad that you are joining us as well. Uh, I was kind of wrestling with what to share uh, this week, because two weeks ago, Jamie Sher was here, and it was excellent. Uh, last week was Easter. It's like the, the you know, the, the, the epic uh, day of our faith, you know, celebrating Jesus risen from the dead uh, and how that affects the rest of our lives. And then next week, Gary's going to be here, and he always does a fantastic job. And so we got this, like, this sort of this one weekend in the middle of all of that. And you really can't do a series, and you, I was like, what do I do with this with this one weekend. And so this morning, I just have to give a disclaimer. Uh, this is not going to be a good sermon. This is not going to be like your three points in this challenge that you think, oh, this, you know, uh, perfect. This is going to tie into something next week. This is, this is just maybe, I guess, a collection of random thoughts to encourage you. Uh, and if you want to leave now, you were warned. And, uh, but, but no, I'm just kidding, Bob. You got to stay. Um, it's one of those things, just the, the thoughts as I've been reading the last number of weeks, just things that have affected my life uh, pretty, pretty strongly over the last couple of uh, days, and the last uh, a couple of weeks as well. And I just want to share some of the, these thoughts with you this morning. So um, I, I was thinking the other day about like the times that I've run out of gas. Uh, have, you, have you ever had those moments where you all of a sudden realize, oh man, I couldn't make it to the gas station? I, I, I knew I could have or should have. Yes, you're, some of the husbands can join me. You know, you get in your vehicle and it's always empty. Uh, and you just don't know how that happens. No, I'm just kidding. It's really not always true. Uh, but I remember uh, years ago when I ran out of gas, it's happened a couple of times, but when, uh, and the details of this story are just a, a little bit foggy. I was 17 or 18, somewhere in that area. I was coming home from chicken catching. I'd been chicken catching at my Uncle Henry and Aunt Heather's place. And if you're listening, which they sometimes do, just hi, Uncle Henry and Heather. Uh, but uh, as I, we were driving home about one in the morning, um, driving into St. Catharines. And if you're familiar with St. Catharines, on the way into St. Catharines that many years ago, it hadn't expanded as much as it as it is, you cross the um, you cross Martindale Pond in the Twelve Mile Creek. There's a bridge there, and there's these kind of these lion heads uh, on the statues there as you drive in, and and that's right where I ran out of gas, right at the bridge. So I, I pulled over and and uh, hopped out of the car and at one in the morning with no cell phones back then. So I figured I'm just going to go and find gas, and so I walked into uh, into the city and. And I had called my parents from the gas station to let them know, woke them up just to let them know, hey, I'm going to be home late just in case you woke up and were worried about me. They, we weren't, they said, you know, uh, but I'm like, we ran out of gas. And then later on when, uh, when I get, get home, they uh, told me that the police had called. And the police were wondering, you know, where my dad was, and my because my mom had answered the phone, and so uh, I just wondered where my dad was, and she's like, well, he's here. I was like, well, then who's driving your vehicle? And uh, they said, oh, that was our son, and they asked, would there be any reason why he might want to jump off a bridge? And they're like, <laughs> no, no, he uh, ran out of gas, right? So I'm like, and as I thought, as I thought about that, I'm like jumping off a bridge would be kind of like a, a rash action for for a, a minor problem, yeah. You know, I was just out of gas. All I needed was some more fuel. I didn't need to jump off a bridge. And for the record, I did not jump off that bridge, uh, just in case you wonder. But sometimes I think, you know, you think about that, that story. I sometimes find myself in just in real life, finding myself in both of those situations. Sometimes in real life, you find out you're running on empty. You know, sometimes you feel a little bit burnt out, a little bit, you know, uh, that, that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm running out of gas. Uh, and for some, there's those moments and thoughts where maybe it's you, maybe it's me, maybe it's someone you know. They, they make these drastic, uh, drastic decisions based on, you know, what really is a simple problem. They throw in the towel in situations and, and in, in things that they're going in their life. It feels like, you know, I feel a little bit burnt out, so I'm just going to quit. 
you know, I'm feeling like a little bit empty, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up. You know, there's, there's times where people have been tired of waiting for a promise from God. They've been waiting for God and waiting for a promise, and it's like, you know what, I just don't think that it's, that it's happening, so I'm going to speed the process up myself. I'm going to do some things myself instead. You know, or, or it's you feel distant from God sometimes. It's like, I God, I, I pray, but I'm just not hearing your voice. And, you know, maybe you've had prayers, things that you've been praying for, and you're like, I just don't seem to be getting the answer to that. And so you're like, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't exist. And you sort of have this toss in the towel thing of like, it's this, these all or nothing um, things. And that, that term comes from a, a boxing term of, you know, giving up and surrender. I, I just quit. I give up and surrender or defeat. And for some, you know, it gets really bad. It's like this internal um, empty this no sense of purpose in your life that you sometimes wonder if life's worth living. And that might not be any of you here this morning, but maybe you know somebody's found themselves in that place. And any time that I find myself sort of feeling running on empty or feel like a bit burnt out, I always think, you know, just a little while ago, everything was okay. Everything was fine, just not too long ago. And as I read through the Word, I realize that seems to be things that happen to so many people. There's these these epic victories. And then there's these moments of wilderness. There's like the moment where you're like, I know that God is real and alive. And then there's those moments where you're like, I wonder what that was because this doesn't feel like it. And if you find yourself in that place this morning, I just want to give you some words of encouragement. First, first of all, from the story of Elijah, back in the Old Testament, a man named Elijah, a prophet, he is challenging his nation to believe in the one true God. And if you went to Sunday school and you know the story, Elijah challenges everybody to come to this big barbecue. And, you know, your God has to bring the fire. But, we, you know, we prepare the meat, but God's got to prepare the fire. And in front of a whole bunch of unbelievers, it'd be like you at your high school, you know, saying, hey, if you don't believe in God, meet me at the flagpole. I'm just going to pray. and God's going to set it on fire. And uh, you'll all know. We, we just like... We think, we read the stories, and we don't picture what that's like. Here's this man takes this brave step to say, okay, here, we're going to do this. And God, in front of all these people, I'm just praying, God, if you're real, would you just show yourself powerful by setting this thing on fire? Like, he tells God and asks God what to do. And God just comes through and burns it all up, burns up the altar, burns up everything. And everyone knows, including Elijah, God is alive. God is real. God is powerful. And he's on my side. Well, one chapter later, you can read the story at home if you'd like, if it's something that intrigues you. First Kings chapter 18 and 19, Elijah finds himself all of a sudden challenged. You know, the king's wife didn't like that. She wants to kill him. And so he flees and he finds himself in the wilderness, it says. A whole day into the wilderness. And as he's out there, this is his prayer. Dear God, I'm the only one who serves you. I just want to die. I don't want to go on anymore. I hate it out here. Been out here like a whole day. And God does something interesting. He grabs Elijah and he says, come with me. We got to talk. He says, go to this place. And so Elijah goes to this place and he says, all of a sudden God begins to show his power again in different ways through a big windstorm, through this powerful tornado. And then in the still small voice, he speaks to Elijah and Elijah knows, man, God, okay, yes, I, I remember you're real alive. I, I know it. And he says, so, so what did you have to say? And you know when you take your kids to the grocery store and they're like, they want those, 
those chocolates or those candies, and they're like, yeah, I want it, I want it, I want it, right? And they'll, they'll make your life, you know, miserable in front of, in front of people. And, and um, I just see your kids, yeah, mine don't do that. But, uh, you know, it's like, you, you know, you have that conversation with them. We're going to talk about this later. And they've like, no, but I really deserve it because I did this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, we're going to talk about this later. And then you go and you take them later and you talk to them about it. And then they have the same argument of why they deserve it. But it's just not that powerful anymore because the chocolate's not there anymore. So like, well, so, so what did you want to say to me? Well, I think that I really deserved it because, you know, and it's almost the same thing with Elijah. God says to him, okay, Elijah, you were like, I want to die. What's the problem? He's like, so what's the problem? Well, God, I'm like the only one who's serving you. Like nobody else around me is a follower of you. And here I am in the wilderness, right? Like I just want to die. Just take me now, Jesus. And God just says something to him. He's like, get up. Get up. And for some, that's the encouraging word today. Just, just get up. I've got, I'm not done with you yet. I want you to go here and talk to this person, anoint him as king. I want you to go and talk to that person, anoint him as prophet. And just for the record, I have 7,000 other people who are just in the same situation as you, except they're not belly aching. And it's like, for some today, you feel like, man, I'm just in this dry spot. I'm in this spot. It's just me. It's only me. I tell you today, you're not the only one. And for some of you, you're like, that's not very encouraging. It doesn't help me to know that I'm just not the only one. It's true, but there's more. The children of Israel had the same issues as they experienced God leading them through incredible, incredible things. Took them out of the land of Egypt by miraculous signs, miraculous things were happening. The water parts. They watch a river part in half, a lake really, and they walk through. And then they watch that same lake close in on their enemies and obliterate their enemies. They're never going to see those enemies again. They find themselves in a place right after this miraculous moment in a wilderness. In this time of kind of like this, this spot. And they, they all of a sudden begin complaining. They're like, what are we doing in the wilderness? God, why did you bring me here? We don't like it here. We want to go back to Egypt. It was better in Egypt. And they just forget that all that they had there was slavery. All that they had there was no hope and no future. And yet they wanted to go back there. And the problem is that they didn't realize that, that here wasn't where God was bringing them. That's where they were, but it's not where he was taking them. And for many, what happens when you end up in that wilderness, that dry time, you think that that's here. That's, this is where God's left me or something. And he says, listen, the truth is that I, as powerful as I was in Egypt, I'm that powerful here, and I'm here with you in the wilderness. I'm still here with you in the time of waiting. But they were tired of waiting. They're just tired of waiting. They're like, we want the promise, and we want it now. And you know what? We often find ourselves in that same place. We don't realize that God's in the journey with us because we think we should be somewhere else. We, we don't want to be here. We want to be there. And we want to be there now. In our culture, it's the same way, right? Fast food, it's like you just want, you, you go out for dinner because you can get it just like that. And you kind of get in Tim Hortons, and I don't know if you ever get in those places where it's double lines, and you're like looking, you're kind of calculating and trying to squeeze in to get in a little quicker just to get your coffee just a little bit quicker. And how annoying it is when someone else doesn't understand the two lines and goes in ahead of you, and you're just like, you know, don't get between me and my caffeine, right? We want it now. We want, we want stuff like yesterday. Cell phones, same thing. It's why they're invented. So you can get a hold of me at any time. And if people call me and they're like, I don't answer the phone sometimes because I'm, I'm driving or whatever. And they'll be like, are you screening my calls? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm living, right? Like, uh, just because I have a cell phone doesn't mean you can get a hold of me like right now, unless it's my wife. But otherwise, you know, it's, it's one of those, I'm not, it's this thought we have. We should be able to get a hold of you instantly or should be able to get a hold of others. And I have the same thing. 
hate calling up and being put on hold and listen to all whatever the elevator music. We, there's part of us that we just hate it. For all the Leafs fans, you know, I know you're trying not to, but you think this is the year we're going to win the cup. You know, we're in the playoffs. It's got to be now. It's got to be. It's not going to be now. They're going to be. <clears throat> Moving on. Some things are better. <laughs> We don't want any blood on the carpet this morning. So, some, some things are better if, if, you have, if you wait for them. They're better because you wait for them. And for some, we just we hate the idea of waiting, but some things are better when you wait for them. Uh, for instance, if you've ever had that, you know, you feel hungry and you go in your house and you see the bananas and yet they're a little too green. And you're like, but I'm hungry. It's going to be worth it. And you open the banana and you eat the banana. And what happens? It doesn't taste great and you're doing this for the rest of the day. Because you got that something on the back of your teeth from that creeping and she's like, oh, I wish that I had waited. It wasn't worth it, right? I've got, I, we're hatching uh, quail at my house this week and uh, in the past too. I've learned some lessons about hatching quail. Uh, a couple, uh, last time we did it, we were, as they were getting, coming out of the eggs, you have this time of lockdown where, where if the eggs don't hatch, in that time, and you open the top of the incubator, it just like shrink wraps all the ones that are left uh, unhatched in their shells. And so as I was watching, I, I had a whole bunch of baby quail, and there was a couple eggs, and then there was just one egg, and this little guy was almost there. Like his, he was cracking through the shell, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, man, maybe I can spare an extra hour or two before I open this, but I don't know if he's going to get out. And so I, I checked back, and I looked through the glass top, and I'm like, He's just not that much farther, you know. He's so close. He's just not going to make it. So there's this little hole in the top of the incubator. And so I grabbed two, um, two uh, coat hangers, and I, I took them, and I began to p- put some through the little hole and, and shone my flashlight in there and try and pull the little shells apart so that I could set him free in time to live, you know. And, and rather, I was saving his life. And then afterwards, you know, the next when, after when I woke it up and was the next morning to be able to take them all out, I look in there, and there he is, dead, right beside those shells. I'm like, you would laugh, Henry. Sheesh. <laughs> I mean, it, it was not premeditated, but I didn't realize, and I learned from my brother as I talked to him. He's like, you know what? He says that when they are cracking out of those shells, he says the strength that they're building as they break out of the shells is the strength they need to live. If you help them out, you kill them. They don't have the strength to live. And for some, that's that same thing for me, that sometimes in that struggle, there's a strength that's being built. And I'm not saying all. I'm saying you really have to just ask Holy Spirit which things connect with you this morning. Because sometimes when you're in a struggle and you're like, I just want to get there, he's actually building something in your life, a strength in your life that's going to carry you through the next season of your life. I love what Debbie shared because it's in some of those moments where that thing gets tested and that by passing that test, you don't have to take it again. It's some of those things that those strengths are being happening. But for some of us, we're like, you know, we think if it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen. And for the children of Israel, like, we aren't, we're just not there now, so I guess it's not happening. And I want to encourage you, just because it hasn't happened now doesn't mean that it's not happening. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 says this. Many will know the last part of this, but maybe not the first part. It says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by God? Saying, why are you asking things like this that, you know, why do you think that God's forgotten you or that your claim, your just claim hasn't been heard? You know, it's the thought of saying, why do you think that God says, oh, he must have no idea what's going on? Or, or you know, may, if, he, if he knows, he doesn't care or maybe he doesn't exist because he's not doing something right now. Verse 28 says this, 
This is his response. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. It says he's never faints, nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth will faint and be weary. The young men will utterly fall. But those who wait on, see those words? Wait on. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. See, a lot of times what we find ourselves in in these places is we're waiting for. We're not waiting on, and there's a difference. Sometimes we're waiting for the Lord, and it's kind of like that same idea as we wait in the doctor's office. It's really a passive kind of waiting. Like, okay, God, whenever, fine, I'll wait. You know, Mark said, so fine, I'll just sit here and I'll wait. Whenever you do, whatever you do. And it's like in the doctor's office, you go there and you know you're going to wait because it's called the waiting room. So you sit there for a long time. And then after they say, oh, they call your name. And they're like, yes, I'm in. And they put you in another room. And you sit there. And then you wait. And then there's a knock on the door. And somebody comes in. You're like, yes. They're like, take off your clothes and you can wait some more. And you go to the doctor too, right? So, and there you sit and you wait. And, and what happens? You, get, you just get this annoyance like, oh, there's so much more I could be doing. Like, why am I? I'm just waiting till whenever they figure they want to do something. But that's not what this verse is talking about. It's not what, the, not what the time of when you find yourself in waiting that he's asking you to do. He's saying, wait on. And that word, when you, when you look those up, it means this idea of look eagerly towards. Look expectantly for. It's this thought of, I'm not just waiting till something happens. I'm engaged in this process. I'm intentionally looking to the Lord through this. We grow tired and we grow weary when we're waiting for God to do something. You know, could God do it right away? Sure he could. He sure could. But you know, his ultimate goal isn't our happiness, but it's our maturing in Christ. And that maturing process takes some of these times of, of going through some of these drier times, some of these difficult times. We think, God, you should just do it. He's like, listen, wait on me and we're going to do it. There's a strength that gets built in those moments of waiting. We sometimes think, God, you just got to do what we want to do. But he wants to do what's best for us. You know, it's like my kids. <laughs> Bedtime, it's always like, if you have kids, they're always what? Starving, right? <laughs> I don't know how any kid can get, but, but my kids are like, we're starving. And so I'm like, okay, well, you can have an apple. And they're like, no, we want something really yummy. And we're like, what do you want? Candy. And like, you, you can't have candy before bed. You can have a banana. Like, fine then, we're not hungry. We don't want anything. And it's like they think it's the worst thing in the world, but I know that if I give them candy, or they'll even ask for gum. I'm like, gum before bed, right? That's all we need, Dad. We're starving. I know that what they actually need is something, some, like, actual food. I know what they, what's actually best for them in that moment. For them, they're like, but this is what I want. But I know that they're going to be hungry again. And so for often, for us, what happens you know, when we're waiting for God, we think we know what that answer is. We think we know what it is that we need. But he's like, listen, I know what you need. There's a song that's been playing in our house over and over and over. Eden, uh, we made some CDs for her that play in her hospital room, you know, 24-7. And they play in our cars and in our house. And there's a song on there called Take Courage. It's a song by Christine DeMarco. And the, the lyrics of the song at one point say this, Take courage, my heart. Be steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. And those words have been running through my mind for the last couple of weeks. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Because you know what? For us, 
it doesn't feel like he's in the waiting. It feels like things are wrong. It feels like sometimes, God, it feels dry. God, I feel like maybe you're distant. I, I don't know, God, there's this feeling. And he's like, I'm still there. The important thing for us to realize that, he, that, that even when he feels absent, he hasn't abandoned us. And when you don't feel his presence, doesn't mean that he's not present. The truth is that he is always with us. He's always with you. And that strength, he's limitless in strength. And that he's walking with you. The thing is, if we don't realize that, we go based on our feelings. And we can make some horrible mistakes as a result. We look to the wrong sources to fill the emptiness. We'll try and fill the emptiness or fix it ourselves. John chapter 4 tells a story. I don't have time to read the whole thing to you this morning. But John chapter 4 tells a story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And Jesus meets, he's, he meets her by accident, really. He's walking from, uh, he's, he's on his way, he's on a 70-mile journey. He's 20 miles into it, uh, uh, approximately at this point, and it's been tough walking. And it says Jesus gets to this, to this place, this well at Sychar, and he's, he's weary, it says. He's weary from his journey, and he sits down. And for some of you, that's simply what it is, that you've just grown weary because the journey's been long. You've been, in, you've been in, a, in something for a while, and it feels like, man, this has been a long journey. And Jesus was weary. You know what he does? He, says, he stops down, and he sits down at the well. He tells the disciples, go on into town and get food. I'll wait for you here. So he sits down at the well, and as he's waiting, and for some, that's the word that you need to hear this morning. You're going and going and going so much. You're doing so much in human effort, so much in your own strength and ability, and you're feeling the emptiness, the weariness inside. Sometimes you just got to stop. You just have to slow down a little bit. You just have to take a little, little bit of a, of a break and, and rest. And for, for some, you know, you think, well, I can't. You know, that, that's quitting. It's not. You know, when I think about Jesus and I think, you know, why would he sat down at the well? It doesn't say it specifically. But so many times what you see with Jesus is it says that he went, he went off to a place by himself just to pray just to connect with his father. And I think as he's sitting there by the well, he's sending everybody else on. I'll wait for you here because I'm waiting on him. I'm going to sit with Heavenly Father for, for a few minutes. And as he does, this woman arrives, and she's actually weary on the inside, and she's waiting, and she doesn't know it. She walks up to the, to the well, and Jesus says, hey, can you get me a drink? And she's like, why are you talking to me? You know, it'd be, it's like, you're a, you're, a, a, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, why are you talking to me? And they begin to have this conversation just about water. And, and Jesus, he says, you know, actually, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink and I would give you living water from the inside, this well that never grows dry. You'll never be thirsty again. And she's like, yeah, that'd be cool because that'd make my life a whole lot easier. And for a lot of us, we think that same thought that, yeah, if I follow Jesus, my life's just going to get a whole lot easier. But Jesus begins to make her aware of the thing that she's got an emptiness in, on the inside. Well, she begins to change the subject and she starts talking about the ancestor who dug the well and, you know, talking about everybody else. And Jesus brings it back again. He says, you know what? I really want to talk about you. And actually, why don't you go get your husband and we'll talk together. And all of a sudden, it's like her eyes realize. She says, you know what? I've had five husbands. Or she's like, I don't have a husband. You know? And Jesus says, you're right in saying that you've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with now, he's not your husband. And, and for us, you know, anybody, you know, says that kind of stuff, the conversation's over. Like, the, we, you'd think. She's like, how does he know that? But I don't want to know and takes off. Why are, you, why are you talking about me like that? But Jesus had just this thing about him that was so drawing. that She's like, I, you know, how do you know this? You've got to be a prophet. She begins asking him about worship. But what, what he was doing is, is he begins to drop that in her heart. He's the one who brought it up. 
what he begins doing, what I see in that is he's, he's turning on that little light on the inside that says, you know, when, you know when you're driving your vehicle and the, like the low fuel light comes on and warns you, soon you need to get fuel. You're not out of gas yet, but you're close. That's what happened with this woman. The little light comes on saying, you know what, you've been trying to fill that emptiness with husbands. And maybe she's like in that spot, well, those first five, they were duds, but the next one, <laughs> the next one. And maybe that's you. I, I kind of doubt that, but, but maybe you're always thinking it's that next relationship that's just going to do it for me. And you begin to try and fill a, a known emptiness with things that, that don't fill it. I remember there's a, a, a woman that we had met years ago. She uh, had uh, four children, and, uh, and then all of a sudden she's just leaving. She's leaving her kids and her husband, and, and this, this tragic, tragic thing, and she just... He said, how could you, you know, leave your kids? Well, uh, you know, I, I had those kids, you know, thinking they were going to make me happy, and they didn't. And I'm like, that's not why you have children. But it is one of those things that we, when there's an emptiness, the light's flickering. It's like, I got to fill that with something. And she's like, I just got to go have me time. I got to go find something for me, knowing there's an emptiness. And yet, you know, the teen that I remember talking to with his mom had just found out that he was addicted to drugs. And he said to his mom, Mom, you know, you told me that, if I did this, I'd get addicted, and you told me that it wasn't going to be good for me, and that it was going to lead to other things. But he says, what you didn't tell me is that it would take away the pain in my heart and in my head for a while, and so I'm going to keep doing it. And it was at that point, seeing and watching, realizing this, this idea of I'm going to fix it myself. And most addictions happen as a result of that, us trying to fix us with something other than him. And it becomes a master. And this light's going on. For the woman at the well, she's beginning to realize, wait a second, there's an emptiness that I've been filling with something. And, and she says, you know what, though? What you say sounds like truth, but not, we're just going to wait. You know, we're waiting for the Messiah to come. Waiting for. And Jesus' words to her, and I believe for us today, is like, you don't need to wait for because I'm here. You're looking at him. The one you've been waiting for is right here. And that idea of look on me. This idea of look intently, wait on me, I'll give, you, I'll give you the water on the inside. Hebrews 12 says it for us again. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these men and women of faith who walked out this uh, life of faith with the Lord, it wasn't always easy. He says, but this, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. He's saying, run the race that's set before you. So often we're looking beside and looking around at everyone else and like, how come they don't have to go through this? How come it seems like their life's always, you know, just, you know, I don't know, unicorns and rainbows, whatever. It's just their life looks so great. How come mine? He's like, listen, there's a race that you've got to run. But I want to encourage you with this thought or challenge you with this thought. When we grow weary waiting for God, we add weight to our lives. We unknowingly, maybe knowingly, we add weight to our lives. And this verse, he's saying, lay aside the weight. What's the weight? It's not bad stuff. It's just stuff. It's like when you feel so tempted to buy something new on your credit card and feel like, you know, that you can't afford or can't pay for later. That's that warning light going off on the inside. There's a little emptiness there that you're trying to fill. I was telling Derek, I had that this week. You know, with the portable over there, it's, I was talking to Beth about it. They need a TV in the portable. I was like, well, you know what? Well, I think, you know, the church has had the flood. How about we just donate a TV? We can buy a TV and donate it. And, and I was talking to her about that. And, and then all of a sudden, this little thing goes on in my head. It's like, as I found out how good of a deal I could get on a TV, I was like, 
how about I just buy a new TV for us and we'll donate our TV to the, to the portable? There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is what it's revealing to me is I'm not that guy. I'm not upgrade guy. When I have a TV that works, I'm going to buy you know, a TV. What's going on? There's that little indicator on the inside. There's an emptiness there that you're trying to fill. Be careful how you fill it because it adds weight. You know, for some, it's that thing of, you know, I'm tired of waiting for him. So you begin to give in to sexual pressures at school or whatever it is. It's like, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of waiting. Some things are meant and worth waiting for. There's these distractions that happen in our life. They, they add weight to our lives. They're not terrible things for some of them, but they add weight. I was sharing last night that for some, you know, it's like, uh, you know, social media maybe is this distraction that takes way too much of your time. For me, I'm not really on social media, so, but it, it, I thought, oh, I'm good, but it's video games. I know you're like, he's almost 40. What's wrong with him? <laughs> I'm telling you, they know how to get you. I was on my phone, and my brother hooked me up with this game called Golf Clash. I shouldn't even tell you. Don't go there. It's just the very best golf game ever made. And so I was, I was, I was playing this game. I'm like, man, I'm actually pretty good. I'm playing against people from around the world. I'm like, wow, I'm winning like 6,000 fake dollars. This is just like awesome. And, and playing this game, and, and you know what? I have my Bible on there, and normally what would, was my routine is I would get up, and I'd read the Word. I'd spend time on version, reading the Word, and then it was Golf Clash. And so my kids would look at me, and they'd be like, Dad, you're always playing golf. I'm like, no, I'm not. I could be reading my Bible. And I'm like, Dad, we can see the reflection in the computer behind you that you're playing golf. I'm like, oh, you know, and then they're like, why are you always playing? I'm like, just wait one second. I just got to make one shot. And so Link comes up to me the one day as I'm making my one shot, and he's like, just as I'm about to, you know, par for the, or hit the, sink the hole for the eagle, he hits my hand, and like, the ball goes off the side of the green. I'm like, oh, like, why did we have only three kids? You know, like, those thoughts that come into your head, and you're like, oh, there, there's, there's a problem, right? And, and, and what I realize is, you know, the phone even tells you now, Apple tells you, based on your location where you are, this is the app we recommend you use. And pretty soon I started realizing that every location I was, Golf Clash. I'm like, that's a problem. And the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my heart. You know, there's this, this is, it's not bad, but it's a distraction. When it could be time with me, it's time there. When it could be time with your family, it's time there. It's not bad, but it's weight. And then for others, there's sin. There's sin that we take on. And sin is simply, I'm going to make myself, I'm going to fix myself. I'm gonna, I know how to make myself happy on my, on my own. I remember driving um, um, in Curacao, I was on the islands with my parents and my brothers there. And they wanted to go to the beach. And my parents said, you know, I could take them. So I, borrowed, I took their van and we're driving to the beach. And we're like, oh man, of course it's out of fuel, right? And it's like, oh, this is frustrating. Pull into the gas station there, parked. They uh, it's like fill it up, they fill it up, and we leave, and it's full, and I drive out. I get maybe 15 feet, and it dies. I'm like, oh, there must not have been any fuel in. But I look, and I was like, yeah, it's full. But then I look at the handle, and it was yellow. And I'm like, diesel. Oh, man. I'm like, shoot, call dad. He's like, yeah. And so they had to tear the whole bottom of the van out to get, the, get access to the tank. And I just put my snorkel gear on and laid in the parking lot and got a tan. And that was, the, that was the best of it. But what I, what I realized is even though it felt like I was full, I wasn't. And sin does the same thing to us. It trips you up. It makes you feel like you're full. It makes you feel like you're going to get out of the waiting sooner. You're going to get out of that spot on your own. And all it does is leave you in a worse place than before. And it says this thing, you know, be careful of the sin and the weight that so easily ensnares you. It's because we're tired of waiting for God. And he says this, how do we do this? We do this by looking unto Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's like looking to Jesus. And that thing, that idea of looking is looking away from the distractions in order to look at something. And for some, you know, those distractions, they're not bad. But for some, yeah, it's, I got to cut those away in order to look towards him. Galatians chapter 6 says this. Leave you with these couple of verses yet. It says, um, don't be misled. Verse 7, you can't mock the justice of God. You always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. Let's not grow weary in well-doing. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. If what? We don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. What's he saying? He's saying this, this idea of looking to Jesus is, is living by the Spirit, saying in, in your everyday, even if you're in the waiting and you're like, oh, this part, I don't, I don't like this. But God, I trust that you are here. And I trust that you're going to tell me if there's things in my life that aren't supposed to be, that you'll reveal those to me. But otherwise, I'm trusting you that you are the strength that I need, that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to grow weary in the well-doing. I'm not going to quit. And stuff happens in your life that makes you want to. I remember when the flood happened here. It was at the, 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 there's a wedding. And as I come come up here and after trying to clean up this this flood mess in my suit and, and I'm sitting there talking to Beth and a couple other people, I'm like, do you know what? I just resign. I'm just done. You know, I quit. The next pastor can deal with the flood. <laughs> like those feelings are tossing in the towel for a small thing. But you feel that. And for some of you this morning, you're on that cusp. I'm telling you, don't quit. Don't give up. You know, when it feels like he's away, he's not. He's present. And Jesus' words to you are this. When you begin to feel weary, don't add weight. Don't just wait for God. Wait with him. Matthew 11, Jesus said, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke's easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. For some of you, that's because you're, you know, you're not a follower of Jesus this morning. You're like looking everywhere for hope, and you're looking everywhere to try and fill this emptiness on the inside. He's telling you it's him. He's calling you, saying, you know what, come to me. Come to me. I, I know what you need. And for others, you are followers of Christ, but you got in this spot of a bit of distraction, a bit burnt out, maybe it's human effort, whatever it is, you find yourself in that, that place. He's saying the same things for you. Come to me, rest with me, walk with me, rest in me. For some this morning, it's that little light's going off. You're like, you're right, it's triggering something in me. There's a little bit of emptiness. He's saying, come to me. You know, for some, you're feeling that bit br- empty inside and burnt outside. For some, the journey's just been long and you're weary. For some, it's cravings for old habits. And you're like, why do I crave those old habits again? The light's going off. For some, it's buying new stuff. And you're like, why am I feeling like I gotta buy? The light's going off. And he's saying, come to me. You can have rest in the running. You can be filled in the wilderness. You can be strengthened in the weariness and you can have him in the waiting. Jesus was energized by doing his Father's will. And we see that at the, at the well, there was this thing of realizing just in that waiting on him, that there was that strength, that amazing thing. The disciples looked at him and said, you know, who fed this guy? Nobody fed him. It lights up on the inside. So this morning, if you find yourself in that place, or maybe later on you find yourself in that place, I encourage you with the, those words of, again, set your eyes on Jesus. Set your eyes on, on Jesus, putting his word in your heart again, because he's in the waiting. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you. 
And if he hasn't taken you out of it now, it means there's something in it yet for you. The woman at the well, her life was changed that day. And maybe yours will be today as a result. But the people around her, their lives were changed as well. So I want to encourage you not to grow weary in the waiting. Not to grow weary in the waiting. Not to give up. Not to make rash decisions for just being out of fuel. But to go and refuel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your word. And thank you how it's rescuing my life. It's amazing how it reveals in me what's really going on. It's, it's incredible. I'm thankful for that, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your voice and for your, for your uh, encouragement. Most of all, thank you for your presence. That uh, in you and with you, there's life and there's hope and there's strength. God, thank you that no matter what, we know that you are present, that you are with us. We uh, trust in that today as we leave this place, knowing that we leave here, but we don't leave you here. And that uh, wherever we find ourselves, there's people who need that life and that hope. God, may we shine for you. May you shine through us. May we reflect your glory to our hurting uh, world this week. May uh, the empty come and find fullness in you. It's in your awesome name I pray. Amen.